All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Wednesday, September 23rd. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. And we are coming at you with a cash game podcast here for FanDuel and DraftKings for week three. I, you know, week two is pretty good. I do, um, not on DraftKings, where Naheem Hines just decided to not play. Well, I don't know if it was his choice. I thought it was his choice. It was probably the coach. <laughs> it's probably the coach. He probably would have preferred to play. I would guess. Yeah, my guess is that he would have said, "Hey, coach, I'd like to be in there." Um, you know, Mar- Marlon. <laughs> that didn't end up being the case. Marlon Mack uh, is injured. Jonathan Taylor gets all. The- I mean, we had Jonathan Taylor too. We kind of thought uh, going a double tight, a double running back on from uh, the Colts. Wasn't going to be too bad of an option based on what we had talked about with Philip Rivers. That ended up not being the case. Alas, um, lived the fight another day. FanDuel ended up being pretty good. Any quick thoughts here from week two um, as we move into a really, what's probably going to be a very chalk week, I think, um, from a cash game perspective, just based on the injuries. But any any quick thoughts on sort of what went down in week two? Or you always want to get into week three here. Yeah, I'd say the one you know repeated lesson that we've learned is that you just can't go with backup running backs like it, it all the track record in the world seems to not matter sometimes it's kind of like playing guys off the bench in the nba i think where it's like i don't know this guy's been getting 28 minutes a game and then you realize when you're the backup it's so rare for that number to go up and it can only go down and of course heinz uh, just gets one touch last week i will stand by like when we're sitting there i would have still bet that heinz would have gotten more than one target over the course of the entire game just because the track record was so profound but um it's almost like you just can't get a good enough price when it comes to getting a guy that you know is going to come off the bench so you know a lesson we'll keep learning i guess uh this week we like i said if you're especially if you're playing season long this is a huge maybe the biggest waiver wire week ever the injuries were just absolutely decimating um all throughout the nfl in week two i mean christian mccaffrey goes down raheem master goes down Jimmy G goes down. I'm trying to think. I mean, there's, the list is really Saquon long. Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, that was the biggest one. Saquon Barkley tears his ACL. Uh, it was one of the brutal to watch in the moment. It was pretty clear that he was uh, out for the season right when he went down. Uh, and, the, and that's just part of the list. There's other guys. There are guys that are coming back uh, this week that we can talk about a little bit. You know, guys that were sat out week two but came back. But, yeah, just in, in terms of just overall star player sort of injuries, this week two probably was one of the worst ever. And I don't know if it's just one of those things where, oh, we should have seen it coming with just the lack of preseason and just the lack of just maybe just training in general that injuries were going to sort of rear their ugly heads. They do anyway in football. Life comes at you really fast. But um, it, yeah, yeah but actually, it's funny. I was this is we're going to get into week three in a second. I was going back and just looking the other day about the average draft position for the 2017 year. So just three years ago. And if you look at that list. Something like ten of the top twenty guys just aren't in the league anymore. Like not even not, not even that they're just bad. They just simply just don't even play. It was like Jordy Nelson, Des Bryant, guys like this that were just top twenty draft picks overall um, are just at home. It's, football is just crazy like that. It's really weird to kind of think about it. Anyway, uh, week two maybe just speeds along some of that for some of these guys. Uh, but we'll get into that. Yeah, I wonder if part of it's too like you know like in baseball we know that pitchers get injured when they're tired right so they these guys go out they're fresh for week one they go for it then they come out in week two and things aren't quite right right think about a guy like McCaffrey in particular right where it's like the incredible workload that he shouldered last season comes out in week one does it again and if they're just not up to speed I don't know but yeah it was it was tragic it was really sad yeah so um we're gonna get into that because we are going to discuss some of these guys as cash game options let's get into it here with quarterback 
Uh, quarterback to me feels pretty cut and dry in terms of, I do think because of the running back situation, and we're going to mention this again with wide receivers, I think that we're going to just have no problem paying up here at quarterback just based on right. what's, uh, you know, some of the running back options. So I don't think it's, if we just, you know, we throw out some of the more expensive options here, it's not just being, you know, the old, uh, let's just throw out the most expensive guys as all of our cash game plays. That's not the case here uh, with with quarterback just because we're going to get so much rain, r- savings at, at running back. But I just put Kyler Murray as the top guy. Uh, this, I mean, probably I think he had tw- plus 2,400 MVP odds to start the season. Uh, that's probably mm. that because um, he was tied with Dak. And I remember looking at both those and I preferred Dak just because I thought the Cowboys would win more. But the, whoops, but the, uh, well, like, I guess they pulled off the, they pulled off that late crazy miracle against the Falcons. But is there anything to just talk you out of playing Murray at this point? Because, um, I mean, he gets Detroit. The production's been unbelievable to start the season. He finally has, a, or finally, he's only been in the league one year. Um, he has uh, an absolute stud wide receiver who we'll get to, too. He's been running a ton. I mean, there's two other guys I think we can consider, but Kyler is just checks every box that we've long wanted from a fantasy quarterback. I mean, more of these guys run now. We were, I think we were easily on the we want a running quarterback uh, train way, oh, yeah. way back when there weren't as many of these guys that did it. Like, we've been dreaming on these guys for years and years and years and been correct on it almost the entire oh, time. Yeah, and, we, and we've been trying to go for guys who are going to get, like, 25 running yards a game. Right. <laughs> Where it's like, those two and a half points, that gets you over the top sometimes. I mean, but Murray's production to start the season has been just basically ridiculous. Uh, he's run for the most quarterback yards. He is thrown for, I think, four touchdowns. No, he's only thrown for one touchdown now. Uh, shoot, I just had him in front of me, but I don't. Have it now. Um, now he's over two touchdowns, two interceptions. I do think that turns around, but you're lo- you're even less worried about it because he just runs for the touchdowns because he has he has three rushing touchdowns. Is there anything short of the other guys that are sort of that we're going to talk about in a second? But just from a statistical standpoint, is there anything to talk you out of Murray here? I don't think so. Uh, all the signs point in Murray's favor. And by the way, Murray's MVP odds right now over on my bookie. Uh, plus 600 for the MVP all of a sudden. Yeah, so. man, that, that, that have or quartered in the in the two weeks. Yeah, I, that's pretty I, real wild. quick, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get into this in the betting. I'm putting out a betting article tomorrow. Um, but just real quick, one team I did I did put in long odds on the on the Cardinals to win the Super Bowl, but um, only because I do think those odds are gonna drop here in the next three weeks. Their, their schedule is ridiculously easy till they have to start playing the West. There's a conceivable chance they're just gonna be five and zero. By the time week six rolls around, that's when they have to start playing mm. some more West teams. But they've already beat one of them in San Francisco, who has his own injury issues. So anyway, I thought the long odds on 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 the old make a crazy run, uh, Cardinals to the Super Bowl was was an interesting one. But yeah, fairly uh, interesting. So I think for cash games, um, I, I I think there's almost there's very few arguments against Murray, right? I mean, going up against the Niners, it was oh well, it's the Niners have this prodigious front seven. Then we watch Washington eviscerate the Eagles offensive line and the same concerns arise like in our chat room right where it's like i don't know man look what washington did to wentz last week what we've seen with murray is that not only can he do it against these really tough front sevens but he's also doing it without taking much of a beating like the incredible stat in that 49ers game was that he went out and ran 13 times and he was only tackled once right so oftentimes the the concern we get with guys like the next guy we're probably going to discuss in cam newton is that yeah they can get out and run but the teams just eventually are going to have to rein them in because they're just going to risk injury too much if they're getting out there and just getting blasted by linebackers and safeties and stuff. But with Murray, that doesn't seem to be the case. So I think, you know, penciling him in for 8 to 12 rushing attempts a game is not unreasonable right now. Yeah, um, he has 20. He's rushed 21 times for the first two weeks. 
158 rushing yards that leads, leads all quarterbacks by 30 yards. The efficiency isn't quite there. Still only 67% completion percentage. That's, that's, that's plenty, not, dude. <laughs> it's, yeah, right. All right. I, I, I guess I'm, I, this is me just totally splitting hairs, by the way. I, like, I think that – I think only the price difference – let's just talk about Cam, too, because I think the only thing that I'm – and I actually sort of like this is that the price differences between FanDuel and DraftKings maybe will speak to us just playing Kyler on FanDuel – Oh, excuse me, Kyler on DraftKings and uh, Cam on FanDuel, just because there is a slight price difference there. Yeah, I'm not even Cam... convinced of that, but I I hear you. I, I, you can split it if you really want to, but man, it's going to be tough to talk me out of taking this, what looks like just built-in points in Murray, especially with all the money we have left over. But Yeah, so, okay, let's just talk about Cam then, because, um, so Murray, I think we, we see as 1A. I think that's pretty, um, I think that's a pretty easy call. I think that people will probably talk themselves between Murray and Cam, although a couple of these, I mean, Josh Allen started the year really well too. So there are there, some of these quarterbacks just are putting up the sort of banana numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the $700 savings from Cam on FanDuel is material, I think, if not, uh, it's not necessarily a, a deal stopper here, but the it's 700 savings does make a difference. Cam, in his own right, has been the, the entire Patriots offense. Like he's basically uh, get out outside the left tackle run from just being 2-0. and They probably should have just run um, in, the, in the last play of the game. They just didn't. But he's been amazing in his own right. He's basically the entire offense. Like, they don't even bother running the ball anymore. They just run with him. They, they, Sonny Michelle's dead. Uh, they, you know, James White sat out last game. I don't know. I can't remember what the issue was. But Cam led the team in rushing attempts by four. He had 11 rushing attempts. Sonny Michelle had seven. Rex Burkhead had six. Burkhead and Michelle were completely useless like 13 carries for 22 yards or 21 yards total uh cam was 11 for 47 threw the ball 44 times uh, it's not quite murray status but i mean he's he's right behind him in rushing yards he's ahead of him in rushing touchdowns he's more accurate unless he's you know completing 71 percent of his passes um the passing touchdowns is only one you have to figure that kind of creeps up obviously as the season goes on you just think you think it's you still think there's just such a spread and he gets to las vegas who's definitely let up points this year so but you still think it's just a massive difference because Cam has been. I think it's a every significant bit. difference for a number of reasons. So first of all, the big thing I, I I feel concerned about Cam is that he's rushing a ton. He's shown that in the past that's just not something that he will sustain over the course of a season. Now maybe the Patriots just don't care because it's a one year contract. Maybe he's saying the same thing like just let me get out and cook because he wants to get paid the next big contract, and we'll see this sustain over the course of the season. But. You know, so like 11 carries for 47 yards is nothing to write home about. I mean, it's good. If I was a running back, that would be a good number. But for quarterbacks, like that doesn't seem like... And again, we're in the splitting hairs department. If Kyler Murray didn't exist, my attitude towards Cam would be totally different. But I, I do think that Murray is just a... is it, And he's more expensive too. But I think he's a grade above Cam in terms of safety. Um, just in you know, in terms of the trajectory of their careers and things like that. So I don't know. I, I, again, it's close. And I, I wouldn't be mortified to play Cam if Murray didn't exist. I'd be very excited to run him out there this week. But I don't know. Something about it just doesn't feel quite as as sustainable. And I don't, I don't know why that is. Because we, we have this track record from Murray in the past. Or from, sorry, from Newton in the past. But just, man, like, I don't... Like, can you picture him at his age carrying the ball 13 times a game over the course of the season? Um yeah, I'm just not sure. Only, only because it's a, probably a one and done. Yes, but the, but I get what you're saying. And so, I mean, right now, 
uh, Arizona has implied 30 points. Carolina, I keep saying Carolina, like Cam's on Carolina because I'm just kind of used to that. Uh, New England is at 26.75. So there's a, also a material difference just in implied points for these two guys. I think that, again, the price difference on DraftKings makes it pretty easy for me for Kyler. I think I just need to see what the savings buys you for Cam. Like right now... I'm just sure. trying to see what the difference is. Uh, it's really just the difference of a, in a wide receiver, basically, is what it is. Um, it's just choosing to maybe just be a little bit more speculative on wide receivers, which, I, look, we're, I think we're going to be a little speculative anyway on wide receivers this week, just because this middle tier is going to kind of rear its ugly head. But that's something we can discuss. Uh, that's unavoidable, time. wide receiver. I mean, if, if that's going to happen this week with all the running back value we have going around, then right. we should just get ready to sign up for that every single week, you know. I put Russell Wilson also on here. It was mostly just because you can just pay for another quarterback, and he's been absolutely unbelievable too to start mm-hmm. the season. He has nine touchdowns already through two 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 weeks, and like I think he's eleven incompletions and nine touchdowns or something like that. Uh, like um, and one one interception, and they've just basically said we're. Turns out we just want to throw the ball a lot now. Um, I know we were kind of running the ball <laughs> to start the, the season last year. We wanted to lean on the run. Uh, they are away from that already, and they're just saying that this is just the situation we want to be in with Russ. Uh, it's only because the really the only difference here for me between the other two guys is just that he's a little bit more expensive, and the other guys have just as much safety in terms of their fantasy production. But Russ is... He checks every box, too. 80, 83% completion percentage already, nine, nine touchdowns to one interception. Doesn't hasn't run the ball as much as these other guys, mostly because he hasn't needed to because it's been so easy through the air. Mm-hmm. So I think that like that could probably come around at some point. He has shown the ability to do it. Uh, gets a gets a Dallas team where I think the you know the the scoring is going to be probably pretty much through the roof here <laughs> when it comes to this game. But when it comes to Wilson compared to the other guys, I still see these other guys for the price as a as just as safe and you just get the savings. Is that like a fair way to kind of yeah, sum that up? I think so. Uh, Wilson's great and super consistent and if you really probably if there was a gun to your head you'd have to argue that he was the safest of the three just because the track record is so extensive and i still think the upside from the rushing yards from the other guys is something that wilson probably doesn't have like i have a hard time imagining him punching into rushing touchdowns in a game like with any sort of consistency and those other guys have seven combined rushing touchdowns already this season and with just the stupidness around, you know, rushing touchdowns being worth more than passing touchdowns for quarterbacks in particular, uh, I think you wind up leaning in the other direction. Yeah, right now Wilson's the third highest DraftKings scoring uh, just player on the season. Josh Allen's number one. Calvin Ridley number two. We'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, Aaron Jones th- four. Cam Newton five, and then Murray's eight. So it's <laughs> not like I mean you're kind of you are just kind of splitting hairs with these guys when it comes to just figuring out where you want to go from a cash game perspective. But I think, like I said, I'll take the savings. I do think people will probably talk themselves into one of these four guys. I'm going to throw Josh Allen in there as well because the scoring for him has been so great to start the season. I do think you'd probably see something like split ownership uh, for those guys. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll get into some of these running backs. All right, let's talk running backs. Like we said, like we said before, Christian McCaffrey out, Saquon Barkley out, um, Naheem Himes basically out because what the Colts did last week with him. So I'm just going to count that as, as being out. Talk to me about running back. I do think there's some value. I do think there's probably some situations where we have replacements that I'd be less comfortable running them, even though if they're cheap. But where do you want to start here with running back? Agreed. And I actually think this comes together in a way that's not as confusing as it appears on the surface because, to be honest, one of the toughest things to do in DFS is when you have a number of punts to choose from. This happens in the NBA way more frequently than any other sport because 
you know, in the NBA, there are so many games that people will just sit for no reason, right? Where it's like, eh, Kawhi wants the night off, right? And that just totally changes the lineup in a way that in the NFL, you would never see Cam just take the night off for no reason. And so this is normally a problem we wind up dealing with in the NBA rather than the NFL, where we're often in the other position where it's like, where can we find that savings and plug in a Naheem Hines or something so he can really get great options at the other position. So running back is that situation this week. But I really don't think all of these punts are created equally. Uh, So for starters, I think a guy that almost has to be in our lineups this week is Jonathan Taylor. He was way too cheap last week coming in at 5,800. And, you know, he was a nearly unanimous start. I think it was like 84%. For cash games, he winds up getting an even greater share of the workload than people anticipated, us included. And now this week, he's gone up to just 6,700. I think there's a strong case that he should be at least in the mid-7,000s, if not more expensive than that. I mean, this is a guy who touched the ball 28 times last week. And he's getting by far his best defensive matchup of the season uh, going into this week, too. So, yeah, with the the Colts' new-look offense, it really looks like Taylor's going to be shouldering the entire load. And while he's not in the 6,000 and less range, like some of these other guys. And he's not, he doesn't have that shiny new toy kind of syndrome too, where it's like, man, imagine what Mike Davis is going to do with McCaffrey's workload or something. Uh, I think maybe he feels a little bit less sexy than those guys, but it's a really hard to imagine a cash game lineup without him for me this week. Yeah, the price hasn't come up enough. Uh, we talked about this last week where sometimes people, you know, we talked about it with uh, CEH, but it was like we, people weren't stuck in this situation where, he the price like they weren't looking at his main slate price and then like worried that it'd come up too much into the eight thousand range based on the production. Uh, Taylor kind of got the opportunity, but they just didn't correct it enough. Like it just didn't it just yeah. didn't come anywhere clo- it didn't come anywhere close to correcting. He should be like an eight thousand dollar running back at this point based on this this kind of workload that looks like it's basically translatable as the season goes on. Like, I I know he played he you know he played two-thirds of the snaps. Jordan Wilkins did play a bunch, um, sort of, and then Naheem Hines did get nine nine tar- excuse me, uh, nine snaps for, like, t- 26 total snaps between those two guys. But just when he was in the game, the whole plan was just to basically get him the ball. That really didn't seem to – it was like they basically just must have, you know, should have put a sign up that said, we're just going to give him the ball now, like, and then just let everyone kind of just figure, figure out what was going to happen afterwards because when he was there, he touched it. The other thing you'd like to see, just from a – just game script kind of standpoint is that the Colts are easily the biggest favorites, yeah. the biggest home favorites of the week here. They're ten and a half point home favorites against the Jets, who look absolutely brutal. Uh, so if you're just using that as the other sort of just you know deal, not deal breaker, is it the other way to just kind of make the choice? Um, mm-hmm. This is exactly the kind of running back that we're looking for is home favorites. There's a couple of these this week. I'm less trustful of some of the other situations, like for instance, like Cleveland minus seven at home. I'm Nick Chubb looks nice, but I. Don't you know with the fact well, that he's Kareem got Kareem still there. there too, yeah, right, and he's just not getting any targets at all in the passing game. So yeah, Jonathan Taylor looks like a pretty much a lock and load kind of situation here. Now the other guy you have here is Miles Sanders. One week back, we we lived through the Boston Scott nightmare of Week One. Sanders came back and didn't look like they had any issues with just giving him the ball the entire time too. Like this is not something the Eagles have really wanted to do in the past, at least to start the season. But they walked right out, and he played fifty five. He played fifty five of the sixty seven offensive snaps. Uh, Sanders looks like the other one that just says, mm-hmm. "I mean, do you trust this kind of do you trust this kind of volume from him going forward? Do you think these injuries with running backs spook some of these teams? That's the only thing I kind of get worried about a little bit is that they look around the league and say, "Ooh, they, they just lost McCaffrey. These guys lost Barkley. Miles Sanders was hurt week one. 
we can't keep this up all season. That's like the that's really the only thing that has me talking out of it, and I'm just kind of making it up in my head because there's no news that that's really going to happen. Yeah. So supposedly, the week one thing was mostly precautionary because the Eagles, whoops, assumed that they were just going to win right. that game, and I believe Sanders, or maybe it was a person on the coaching staff, I can't recall, but basically it was like he wanted to play. We just figured why push it this week. We'll bring him back with full force in week two, and I think. You know, I'm as hesitant to play someone coming back from injury as anyone in the industry, I believe. But seeing 27 opportunities for him in Week 2 and really good success against a tough Rams team has me feeling pretty excited to run him again as a huge favorite against the Bengals here in a game where the game script should really favor him quite a bit. Uh, And we've seen the Eagles passing game have some difficulties this season. So I think Sanders is going to be the plan on first and second down at the very least. And going from there... I think you could even build on it. I think the really interesting tension this week, because I do think there's another obvious punt that we'll get to in a second, the really uh, the difficult tension is going to be picking between Sanders and your third way-too-cheap guy, right? So if you think Taylor's a lock and you think there's going to be probably one other punt in the mix, the big question is going to be, do you grab Sanders in that RB3 or flex slot, or do you stick in yet another super cheap running back? So I think that's going to be more of the decision. I'm happy to, to pay up for Sanders a little bit, um, but I think it's going to be a tough call to do that. Because I, you know, and I'll be curious to know how you break this down both on the podcast and when we're actually setting our lineups for Sunday. But it does get tricky when you say, like, okay, would you rather have Sanders or this punt guy who should get 18 to 20 touches or, you know, go from a speculative wide receiver up to a guy who we know is going to get 9 to 11 targets, right? Like, that's going to be. I think that's going to be tough. But right now, yes, I'd be happy to play Sanders. Yeah, see, for me, it's not tough. Like, that is it's pretty easy for me to say Sanders because we've just seen it. And he's just not expensive enough. If he was 9000 I think we'd be, th- like, thinking about it, right? Like, well, it's not hard to not play him, but what I'm saying is because you don't just get to only choose one guy. You have to choose him at the exclusion of, you know, coming off a more expensive guy at a different position. So I think that's going to be the tougher call for me. Yeah, I think that he's kind of just a lock for me. Like, I think that, like, I think that I'm willing to go speculative somewhere else just because – We've seen it. We came off the end of the season seeing that this was the plan when he was going to play. This se- and again from the home favorite kind of standpoint, this is just this is exactly where we're going to be. And I do think some of these other running back situations, while cheaper, are definitely uh, one in particular are just a little bit more speculative. Where Sanders isn't, and he's just not expensive enough. To, he's not expensive enough to have the decision be all that close for me. I don't think so. Uh, you know, famous last words: things change as new information comes in and. You know, we just kind of like the situation better than we thought we were going to. Like this podcast, you know, we don't put this in stone and just say these are this is yeah no, who was playing. Like you know, that happened last week where we kind of switched some of our you know <laughs> switched some of our thought processes as the week went on. If you don't do that, if you set your cash game podcast or set your cash game lineup on Wednesday uh, and then just you know check on Monday to see how it turned out, that's just going to be a losing venture anyway. So, uh, but that being said, I I just don't. Think I'm going to find many reasons to pivot off him, especially when it comes to just other wide receivers. Now, the the speculative guys, I think you're going to mention here are probably McKinnon and Davis, right? Mm-hmm. Jared McKinnon and Mike Davis. Okay, so McKinnon looks like he's going to be the fill-in for Raheem Mostert. Mike Davis, for all the world, looks like he's going to be the fill-in for uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he did get eight targets last week. Talk, kind of, give me the difference between these two, or who you think is the better punt play here, because. I think they'll both see ownership. I'm definitely feeling better about one than the other, but I'm like, curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so I, I broke this down extensively in the article. I think that I'll, I'll give the case for both and then kind of weigh in. So the case for Davis, which you already laid out, uh, got eight targets in the passing game last week. We know that Carolina 
the whole offense is designed around passing to the running back, right? So if that's really who he's going to be, the guy who's going to step in for McCaffrey's um, workload in the pass catching running back game, that's pretty reassuring. Um, but that's really the only feather in his cap. You know, he's got you know, just one carry last week. And you have to be concerned when you haven't seen it before and there yep. is competition present, then you're basically just trying to go on the coach's word when it comes to the carries. And then this very brief window of track record we have, uh, given that, you know, we saw the eight targets last week in the passing game. So that's the, you know, the, the, the basic list of pros and cons. And then you also have the game script potential, right? Where uh, Carolina, huge dogs going into this week against the Chargers. And we know that that generally doesn't favor running backs, although you do you can hedge that just a little bit with pass-catching running backs. Pass-catching running backs do t- tend to stay a part of the offense in a way that run-first running backs don't always. So that's kind of the, the pro and con case for Davis. And listen, there's going to be pro and con cases for any guy who's at 6,000, right? So uh, I don't think any of those cons should rule him out altogether. But then the other guy that I'm looking at is Jerick McKinnon. And you talked about McKinnon filling in for Raheem Mostert. He's also filling in for Tevin Coleman. <laughs> Coleman, uh, so Mostert, you know, I think he he upgraded from out to doubtful for this week. He's still expected to miss. Uh, Coleman is expected to miss several weeks. Tevin Coleman got 14 carries last week. Now he was terrible. It was, it was uh, he sucked. Yeah, he it turned told, it into just completely sucked. Yeah, just two, 12 rushing yards. He also saw two targets in the passing game too. So not only are you taking Mostert, who is the you know fairly clear running back one there out of the picture, but you're also taking the definitive RB two out. And, you know, the, the 49ers went out and got McKinnon. You know, he wasn't like a scrap heap find uh, that they just jammed into there. And he's shown some explosiveness, you know, big play potential just last week, right? Three carries, 77 yards. He had the 16-yard touchdown run plus another 15 or 55-yard uh, carry that he had. So I uh, was very efficient on the few plays that he did get. We saw him operate as a pass catching back in Minnesota in the past. And the 49ers are prohibitive favorites over the Giants here. So I think if you take all that together... The fact that Mostert really is competing with no one, big favorite. We've seen it in the past. I think he, you know, I don't even want to say, I think it's just, I think it's fairly clear, actually, that he's the better play yeah. over Mike Davis. Um, although I think you could argue for big tournament purposes, you just jam Mike Davis because there, if there's a game script where Carolina is somehow hanging with a potentially overrated Chargers team, uh, then I think Mike Davis could be great. But I think for cash games, you're playing, you're starting by playing McKinnon. And then you're having a conversation whether, you know, is it Davis versus Miles Sanders or or whoever else is in your RB3 slot. Yeah, Davis makes a case, I think, on DraftKings because of the PPR. Though Miles Sanders had plenty of targets too. So I, I, I don't this think. Before. A guy who gets a lot of targets in the running back game, play him on DraftKings because of the PPR. It's, Sounds <laughs> well, yeah, that was uh, yeah, we kind of talked about the the, the, the Naheem Hines things, just like the gift that never, ne- never gave. <laughs> it's okay. It's not able, not able sure to keep giving. But, uh, no, I do. I do like teams that have their the the the, the case for Davis um, maybe a little bit more than McKinnon. I'm much more comfortable playing McKinnon here, even if he were to split snaps. Is that I I'm, I'm a fan of teams that said that the the running back we're gonna have running backs that can play every down like a la like sort of the Pittsburgh Steelers ran like this. Although Benny mm-hmm. Snell did get uh, some touches last week, but very few and far between teams that run schemes that just say well, it's kind of the the running back's not going to be the guy. Now, that's speculative because it's only been McCaffrey that's been having to do this. But the fact that Davis could already catch the ball and probably has some rushing ability here, it, it that's the only thing where I'm like, huh, you know, that's it, yeah. it kind of makes me feel because like because I do think there's a McKinnon world where Jeffrey Wilson sees a lot of touches here. Like he's been on the team before, knows the system. He's 
that he got promoted onto you know from the practice squad uh, into just into the rotation here. So I think J- Jeffrey Wilson will be around enough to bite into some of it. I still think McKinnon's safer, but that's the part where, like, if you had, saw Davis had eight targets at, and you know eleven carries at the end of the day, that really wouldn't shock me all that much, especially because Carolina's just consistently playing from behind. The defense is pretty bad. Uh, that's probably going to be the case again. So uh, McKinnon feels safer, but. I'm I'm with you. I think there. I think you probably at least on DraftKings we'll see both of them played at the you know at the exclusion of one of the other guys that we already talked about. And that's interesting. I don't think I want to do it, but the Davis at 5100 with the PPR piece has me at least thinking about it yeah. and probably squinting if I saw his ownership. Like for instance, if we if if lineups locked and I saw that his ownership was like 70, percent I feel and we didn't have him, I feel very worried. Right, like I don't think that about all cases when it comes to plays that I know are going to be high owned because I'm just fine. I'm fine enough eight even if the guy's going to be high owned. That would be one where I'd say, Oof, time to sweat this one out a little bit because I think there's a world where he is very good, and it's still so speculative. Is that a good way to sum it up? I, I don't know because I'm with you. There's four of these guys, and I think that, and you can only play three. <laughs> and so yeah, you're probably right that we're probably going to be just whoever it is. Maybe if it's Davis, just kind of looking at it and saying. I hope you're not good this week. I hate rooting stuff for stuff like that. <laughs> but Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, yeah, running back, it's an embarrassment of riches this week. I mean, we didn't even talk about Derrick Henry, let's say, who I think we'd be thrilled to roll back after all the opportunity was there last week, but he didn't turn it into any touchdowns. You know, he goes up against Minnesota after seeing a price decrease. Uh, he could see cash game ownership. Uh, maybe, maybe the discussion is between him and Miles Sanders when it all comes down to it. I'm not sure. But yeah, running back, a lot of good options. All right, let's get into wide receiver here. Um, I just yeah, I let off with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, it's just the best sign ever when you switch teams and it doesn't seem to matter at all for your production when it comes to going uh, with the wide receiver, going with a new quarterback. He leads the league already in targets. Um, that doesn't look like something that's going to be slowing down as the season goes on because uh, he has 25 targets, next highest guy is 23. Uh, this just seems like the plan feels about as safe as it can get right now when it comes to just target distribution coming from Kyler Murray. I guess the only thing you're worried about here is if the game gets a little out of hand because they're big favorites and they just have to dial back the passing game. But other than that, DeAndre feels, especially with the savings here, just feels like an absolute lock for me. Safer than, I mean, I'm going to get to some of these other guys, but like no, no Michael Thomas on this slate. Obviously, he's hurt. Uh, Devontae Adams is on the slate. He was another big target guy, and he got a little bit banged up last week. Uh, or is he on the slate? Oh, I take that back. Maybe I just don't have him on here. Um no, no, he's not on this one. Sorry. So no Devontae Adams here. It looks like Chris Godwin's coming back. You know, so it's hard to trust the Evans thing. Like when, it, yeah. when you look at the when you look at the top tier wide receivers, he just feels. I just I think that maybe maybe we haven't even seen the f- true total upside <laughs> if he just kind of puts it all together with the touchdowns too. Like this one feels like an absolute lock to me. Yeah, I love it. I you know moving into a new situation, already being that comfortable. Uh, young quarterbacks, I think, are prone to having tunnel vision towards one guy as well and as good as Murray is at passing the ball given how well it's working with Hopkins too I mean you didn't even mention his league best conversion rate uh, Mike Evans or uh, Mike Thomas levels uh, not Mike Evans that would be opposite day uh, yeah. Michael Thomas levels 88 percent you know 22 receptions which is five more than second place love Hopkins I think he's definitively the safest guy on the board after him um, you know right now the Falcons have two of the top 10 target wide receivers in football and neither are Julio Jones. <laughs> Calvin Ridley is uh is number 7 and Russell Gage is just one behind him uh at number 8 in terms in terms of targets 22 and 21. Ridley 
our, we have a pretty high projection on him. It's not because of the touchdowns. It's nice to see the red zone looks. He does lead the league in receiving touchdowns with four. Uh, our system doesn't really factor in touchdowns as much like that because they're just they're I don't know they're so lumpy in terms of this kind of how you get them. And so I'd much rather just see the overall targets. Though if you are a red zone target, that does boost you you know over guys like I don't know I'm trying to think of like Robbie Anderson for instance right like who, who I did write up like his targets are not created equally because they're just not looking for him down and close. Ridley is a guy that they are looking down and close. I get worried when we start a guy who has is on a team that has another superstar wide receiver and just has lots of ways to spread it out, and it's just yeah. really hard to argue with the production as well. And if he's just going to be a consistent target share guy in a way that maybe Julio is no longer, Julio looked, I'm not like an X's and O's guy last year la, 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 totally, but... I watched part of that game last week, and Julio just kind of looked hurt at times. <laughs> like, I don't know what was going on because he just didn't look at all like they wanted to get him the ball. What do you feel about Ridley here, knowing that he's on a team that just have other mouths to feed, so to speak? Yeah, I, I kind of love Ridley. I mean, it's kind of fascinating because um, Ridley and Stefan Diggs, I don't know if you noticed this, have the exact same line this season, which is 22 targets, 16 catches. 239 exact receiving yards, uh, and then it flows out from there. The difference between Ridley and all of these other guys that are among the league leaders, and Ridley leads leads the NFL in receiving yards with 239 uh, tied with Diggs. The difference between him is that he has the four touchdowns, but he also has his longest reception on the year is 25 yards, which is the least of all of these guys. And that, to me, I think really speaks to his consistency. So he's got four touchdowns. But it's not like the Robbie Anderson 75-yard touchdown <laughs> that he caught, right? It's like um, he just is the plan for them when they get close. He's the chain mover, uh, which I think gives you an elevated status in the offense as well because, you know, every third and seven is basically you're trying to get a touchdown, right? You're trying to go, go those just those seven yards and no further. And you just don't need the downfield threat when that's happening. Now, it's been interesting to watch Russell Gage, uh, who also is a top 20 guy in receiving yards, like you mentioned, top 10 target guy. He's also catching a lot of those short balls for them, but I think Ridley's additional track record and just how sharp he's been on a per-target basis leads me to believe that he's probably the safer of all the three options. Although I will say, you can't be surprised going forward. You know, the first game of the season was when those guys all had 12 targets, right? So I'm almost ready to throw that out um, just because there were so many targets to go around and we saw what happened to Julio last week. I do worry that the Falcons could become matchup dependent where... They just pass to whoever has the better matchup. And if they're happy to say, like, Julio Jones, you know, the household name type guy, we're just going to take you out of the offense for a game and dump it to Ridley and Gage, you'd have to think that both Ridley and Gage are susceptible to the same treatment. So that's the only concern I would have, that there are just so many talented skill position players there. We haven't even mentioned Todd Gurley. That there is, I, I would suspect there will be a week where Ridley disappears on you as well. Yeah, and the other thing to mention here, too, is like sustaining wide receiver play for multiple guys is easier when your team just throws a ton. And that's what the Falcons do. Like right now, Matt Ryan has the second most passing attempts in football. He's averaging 45 passing attempts a game. Only Joe Burrow has more at 97. But if you're just going to average more, pa- and, and the, by the way, this is what the Falcons want to do. They want to just throw all the time. Up, they want to throw. Down, they want to throw. They just come out throwing. That's just what the game plan is throw, throw, throw. And so. You know, it helps them they were playing from behind. It's in Seattle, but they were playing ahead last week for all the, the entire game and then obviously just you know, completely choked it away. Still threw a ton. So this just is the plan with them. And so I'm not as worried about looking at a, you know, a target share and being like, well, can you sustain double-digit targets for two or three guys? Most teams can't. 
the Falcons push up against the idea that you can just because just because they just they've just kind of tipped their hat. This is what they want to do when it comes to the game plan. So uh, yeah, no, I really like Ridley here. Uh, I do, I, you know, the Falcons defense has shown that they just really can't really keep can't pull away in games either. So um, I just think the passes are just going to be there. Let's. Uh, I'm probably I'm about to motor through here because we're starting to go a little long. Uh, I, I do throw another couple guys out here. The DJ Moore Robbie Anderson piece um, coming from you know we talked about new quarterback that looks like it's basically sustained with Bridgewater. Uh, I, I you know we talked you know we definitely don't want to like make over assumptions when it comes to quarterbacks and wide receivers. I was bullish on this Carolina situation only because their quarterback play was so horrendous last year that it felt like anybody could kind of step in and probably keep the lights on when it came to getting these guys the ball. Um, but DJ Moore Robbie Anderson. DJ Moore right back to being one of the most targeted guys in the NFL. The conversion rate also for him has been a little bit of an issue, but could you see rolling these guys out in cash? Uh, potentially. I, I would be less enthusiastic about Robbie Anderson just because I I don't feel like it's a week where I need to depend on the deep ball in order to get there. He has been It's been really efficient to pass to Robbie Anderson so far with 15 catches on 18 targets. There's just almost no way that the Bridgewater-Anderson combo can be you know, the Breeze-Thomas combination from the past. So I expect some regression there and extreme variance. I think Anderson should be a popular wide receiver for big tournaments, but probably not for cash, especially not in a week where you just don't need to take the risk. Uh, More, to me, a little bit more interesting. Now with 22 targets, uh, there were some efficiency issues in game one. He and Bridgewater seem to be much more on the same page in the second week against Tampa Bay, turning those 13 targets into eight catches and 120 receiving yards. Um, yeah, I could see doing it. I, you know, I don't know why no one else seems to care about DJ Moore. But, you know, there have been touchdown issues, you know, that have even perpetuated themselves into this season. But sure, I, you know, if you're in the mid 6,000s, it's hard to imagine feeling a whole lot safer over, you know, over more when it comes to sustained targeture. Yeah, same amount of targets as Ridley and Diggs, but you said the conversion rate's been way worse at 55%. I do think it's set to increase as the season and worse goes on. worst quarterback, too. I think there's a number of. Yeah, you're right. Now, yeah, the quarterback play and the team, look, and the team's bad too. And they, they, you know, we had them covering against Tampa Bay. They definitely should have. What a brutal non-cover. I'll get into this in the game-by-game podcast, but for them not to cover that plus nine on that long four net run, I'm still, I'm still kind of, you know, it's keeping me up at night that they didn't do it. But they're just clearly are just like the way worse team of those three teams too. And that's always problematic too, just because it's going to be harder to sustain drives. It's going to be harder to just get better looks. You're forcing the ball because you're down playing from behind. So you're right. The the, the quarterback play is worse and the nature of the targets are probably just going to be you know, a degree or two worse as well. So if the conversion rate never catches up with those guys, that's totally understandable. Last guy, Deontay Johnson, a lot of targets, also efficiency issues. I'm wondering what your thoughts here on him are with, he, he's second overall in targets this season behind only DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, also has some of the conversion issue, 61% uh, target to completion rate or target to reception rate. Uh, is he a cash game player for you? The targets have definitely been there. You'd like to see it from Big Ben. I'm a little bit worried that it's mostly downfield stuff and that's just going to be, hit or miss over the course of the season quick thoughts on Deontay Johnson then we'll just roll through tight ends yeah I think Deontay Johnson again he, he it's sort of in the Robbie Anderson camp where not only is it downfield targets but it's also not as much of a track record he also showed up on the injury report uh, the last couple of weeks with a toe issue obviously it doesn't seem to be bothering him too much but you know while we're while we're picking between good options I, I think injury is always something to keep in mind uh, but 23 total targets, it's it's tough to argue with that too much. Very, very cheap. So I think I just have to see how the lineups come together. I wouldn't rule it out altogether that I would want to pay, play him in cash games, but 
of all the guys we've discussed so far, the guy most likely to get one catch for 22 yards seems to be Deontay Johnson. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I, that's definitely, yeah, you could look at the box score at the end of the day and be like, well, we really talked ourselves into Deontay Johnson. I know the 23 <laughs> targets were there, but uh, right, right. W- but really with this? But then well, at the same just, it's like with those guys, though, like oftentimes it's like it's they, they get three targets in the first half, you know, no catches, right? One, you know, and it's like then he goes one for two in the second half. And then you just wind up with one catch because I think sometimes when it's not working to a guy in the deep ball, they just disappear out of the game plan in a way that possession guys don't. That's you know maybe that's anecdotal. I don't have any like quick data to back that up, but that's been my feeling over the years. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to go with that feeling. All right, let's go roll through tight ends. Give me your uh, quick thoughts on tight ends here before we get out of here. Yeah, so I think you will have money left over this week when it comes to tight end, which is not a position we find ourselves in very often. And I think with that money, it's not unreasonable to go after Darren Waller. Um, so. Waller showed flashes of this last season, and through two weeks this season, he's just been definitively the best tight end. I mean, he had 16 targets last week in a week where Carr only threw the ball 38 times. So right. that's that means the Raiders really are not seeing a whole lot else that they like out there. Uh, and he, he was great on those 16 targets, too. He caught 12 of them for 103 yards and a touchdown. It's kind of in that Calvin Ridley zone where it's like, when they need to move the chains, he's the first read. And when you're in that position as a tight end and you're less than 7,000, like normally for tight ends in a position like this, we're sitting there, you know, paying mid-7,000s or even more, like for guys like George Kittle. So I love the fact that we saw some of this last season too. You don't tend to uh, tend to get that level of target share and having seen some of this in the past. And when it comes to just raw targets overall, He's just one target behind Hopkins overall, right? And he's almost 2,000 less than Hopkins. Now he's worse than Hopkins. So, you know, let's be totally clear about that. Um, but I think for me, he's he's kind of clearly the tight end one in terms of both production, but also still a reasonable price point. Like, like a, you know, Kelsey is probably better still on a per-game basis, but he's so much more expensive that I don't think you want to go there. Uh, and then I think you have some cheap well, real, options. Real quick, real, real quick about Waller. Just a note about him, just in terms of like, the definitive, he's just their option. He has he's thirty six percent of their passing attempts have gone to him this season. That is an unbelievable yeah. target target share for a guy. Like, and I get it. Uh, this has been years and years of Derek Carr just like really not wanting to throw it on the field. Uh, Henry Ruggs maybe eventually changes that, but they're just they just don't have the weapons to want to do it. And so getting thirty five thirty six percent every team's target share is just not. It's probably not sustainable, <laughs> frankly, just just so, such a high number. And I know it's only been two weeks, but it does right. speak to that idea of this is just the first and second option for this team. And it's weird yeah. to think about a tight end that way, but that's just – and we have multiple seasons of seeing it too. Like Waller was heavily targeted last season too. So, yeah, all in on Waller. I just wanted to throw out that number because I thought it was a – it's kind of a bananas number. Uh, walk me through some of the cheaper options. Sure, sure. So the two cheap options that I'm really looking at this week are kind of actually – I'm looking at them for opposite reasons. So the first one's Dallas Goddard. It's just so hard to believe that he's going to be getting out targeting Ertz, um, but he has done so in the last two weeks. The talk you hear about Goddard out of Eagles camp is that they really love him and they really like this is not by accident. This is not, you know, hey, we just stumbled into a few packages where it just made sense to throw it his way or, you know, Wentz was checking down. They really want to throw him the ball. And again, it seems strange because Ertz was one of these safe guys from last season that they were in you know heavy contract talks with. He looked like he might become one of the higher paid tight ends going forward. 
So anyway, it's it's surreal to me that Goddard's in this role, but nonetheless, he finds himself there. And at just 5,200, when you look at the overall targets at a position where we're just not entitled to targets very often, I think that's pretty compelling. And I would be very comfortable playing him, I think, if we decided we couldn't afford Waller. But a more interesting guy, perhaps, is this Dalton Schultz <laughs> over on the Cowboys. So when you read about Schultz, like I had to read up on him after the performance he did last week, you'll read things like, He's not the most athletic guy. Like, people don't love his tools. You know, <laughs> they'll, right. they'll, they'll lead in with that. Like, we're normally with a guy like that, you start with, like, oh, he's got a great work ethic. So, you know, my impression is that nobody sees him as a transcendent offensive talent. But he actually was filling in for Blake Jarwin last week. And we know the Cowboys throughout the years have featured the tight end from time to time. So he goes out there last week against Atlanta in a week where they're playing catch up and gets targeted 10 times, caught nine balls for 88 yards and a touch. Like, I think you have to take Schultz pretty seriously here going forward. He's sub five thousand, so you know in the in a, again in a position where we were speculating on Hayden Hurst type guys in week one. I think Schultz also has to be in the conversation. So I think both of those guys, um, you know, both Schultz and Goddard for different reasons, are in play for me if for some reason we decide we need to save up a tight end again. Yeah, I think that's uh, those those guys are definitely interesting. It's always weird to think about maybe starting the second tight end on a team because that's just not typically yeah. how. And then maybe I'm back I, in the Naheem Tynes territory where why am I why am I doing this <laughs> to myself? Yeah, but they've also thrown to him. They've thrown to him in the past. Like this is they they just they have supported a double tight end uh, just double tight end production in a way that most other teams haven't. So I think that's just totally fine. The Schultz thing is interesting. Uh, I, I'm kind of in love with me some Drew Sample. <laughs> CJ Ozuna mm-hmm. is out this week. Uh, is out now. Sample saw nine targets last week from Joe Burrow. Uh, only because you know, Drew Sample obviously just a kind of a scrap heap guy that you haven't really thought about before, but. Um, yeah. If you get nine targets from the rookie quarterback and you know the t- other tight end is out, he's just thirty five hundred. We'll get to we'll talk a little bit more about that situation on the DraftKings. Or excuse me on the on the game by game podcast. But just wanted to throw that name out there only because he's thirty five hundred on DraftKings. Um, in, in a situation where, um, it, it sometimes we do want to just go ultra t- cheap a tight end to just kind of get up the savings or the the production elsewhere. Waller is probably in a different category when it comes to that, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Still feels weird to pair for tight end. All right, we're going to get out of here. We'll be back with a game-by-game podcast tomorrow where we'll be breaking down every game in the main slate, talking about a bunch of bets. I have some stuff out there, some interesting sort of just like betting trends that have been going on that I was looking into yesterday mm-hmm. in terms of just over-unders and just sort of how Vegas is sort of catching up with a lot of the scoring because the over-unders have dramatically increased over the <laughs> week by week by week. Uh, so we'll get into some of that. Um, definitely some betting lines too, and then we'll talk about some of the all, basically all the other situations that we didn't talk about today in terms of GPP and maybe some other guys to consider for cash. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is a site, DFSR.com for short. Go check out the site, DFSR.com slash deals. That'll get you started, a premium uh, subscription that's going to cover you for optimal lineups, FanDuel and DraftKings, NFL, NBA, um, MLB, while the season kind of gets toward the finish here, uh, and their members-only chat rooms all cover the one subscription. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com, DFSR.com for short, DFSR.com slash deals. Buddy, talk to you tomorrow when we break down every game in the main slate. Peace.